Hi, welcome to the DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Bond. The DOE Digest is a platform where we highlight resources the department has to offer, as well as the work being done by transformative educators around the state. This podcast is one of the ways that we utilize our digital platform to help strengthen teaching, leading, and learning, and increase educational equity for students across New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, listeners. I hope that you have had a great month. I'm excited to share this episode with you about learning acceleration for students. Over the last couple of years, many students have had uneven learning opportunities. In this episode, we're going to be exploring how to approach learning in elementary school from a philosophical perspective and from a practical perspective to leverage all of the things at our fingertips that we can use to help students grow and accelerate to where we expect them to be based on grade level standards. I'm going to open this episode up with a conversation between myself and two amazing staff members from the department. And then we'll jump into a conversation with the Little Falls School District about what they've been doing as a lighthouse district to leverage data and foster student growth. I trust that you'll have a ton of learning from this episode. And my hope is that you'll bring that learning with you to our third Tuesday, hashtag NJ Ed Partners Twitter chat. This month, it's going to take place on April 19th. Again, that's April 19th at 8.30 p.m. Please mark your calendars and join us as a statewide professional learning network. Talk to you soon. Let's get going. So can you please just share your name, your position, and your office or division, and then just share what your favorite thing about working at the department is. My name is Lisa Habril. I'm the acting director of the Office of Standards. And I'd have to say my favorite part of working at the department is, is my colleagues and the connections I've made. They're just extraordinary and I learn every day from them. My name is Mackie Pendergrast. I am the assistant commissioner for the Division of Teaching and Learning Services. Uh, I've been here three weeks and my answer is going to be similar to Lisa's. Uh, the people here are so intelligent and passionate and focused on serving the needs of the kids. That's my favorite thing. Um, so it's just been a joy. Excellent. Thank you so much. So today we're going to be talking in this episode about accelerated learning in elementary school. And I just wanted to start big picture. So in terms of the big picture, what is learning? What is acceleration? And how can we get elementary students there? That's a pretty big picture. You know, uh, what, what is learning is a great question. And I think that the, the public health crisis and everything that we've been through uh, as an education community, that, that question has risen to the top, it's front and center. What is learning? And, and I think what goes along that is well, what is preparation, right? But I think that to answer that question, we really can go to the science. There's so much science on this. And I think that's what's a extraordinarily optimistic about that, actually, that question. I think a good question is, you know, what are the critical drivers of learning and development? What are the critical drivers? 
And I think so to answer your question, you know, what is learning? I think what the science tells us is that human development, child development, in this case, we're talking about elementary students, child development and learning are the same thing. They, they are bi-directional, co-actional. It's not like one thing happens here and the other thing happens there. They are together. And so when you, when you look at what is learning and you frame it in that way, that it is human development and academic learning all taking place at the same time, then that has enormous implications for the classroom. I think there's that misconception out there that learning acceleration is delivering the same amount of content just faster. And, you know, to the point that was just made is that we're really thinking about a whole system that supports learning and about every component. It's not, you know, as biased as I might be from the standards office, it's not just about those expectations. It's really about the entire system that supports the students learning, the, the conditions of learning that they're in, the depth of instruction, the quality of instruction, the engagement, all of those things really have to be considered when we consider how learning occurs. And if I can jump in there, that the primary delivery method of everything that Lisa just said is through those developmental relationships. And, and that happens primarily uh, in schools, but, but it's a mistake to say classrooms. You know, it's classrooms, it's hallways, it's the after school program, it's families. But the primary way that learning takes place is through those developmental relationships, those kids feeling safe and secure, that they've got an ally. Uh, Lisa said, you know, they're challenged, they're engaged. Uh, all those things all come together. That's awesome. I love the synergy between this discussion and what we talked about last month's episode around SEL, school climate and joy and community and all of those things are that they all have value alongside the standards and alongside of all the things that, that we talked about because children don't develop in a vacuum right students don't develop in a vacuum where they all of a sudden are in a classroom and everything else outside of that classroom all the relationships even inside the classroom don't matter it's just about the content right it's all interconnected and i, lo I love the way that you've set that up so tell me about what the department is doing to help educators tap into the resiliency of elementary age students when it comes to accelerated learning. Because in the past, when, when the three of us have talked, we, we really talked about those strengths and the resiliency of students and the importance of tapping into those when it comes to accelerated learning. Yeah, I think it's such a great question. If, if I could frame it around there's been a lot of discussion about what's been lost, right? What loss, loss of learning, loss of what's been lost. And I think what, going back to Lisa's comments a second ago, what what has really, there's a lot of things that have been lost, but it's those relationships that have been lost. The, the, the opportunity for developing a positive relationship with a caring adult, the opportunity for being part of a community, the opportunity for developing positive peer relationships and discovery and that all those are losses, right? They go hand in hand. So I think it's so important as we move forward here, we have an asset based approach. What are the strengths of the, these children and this school community and this state community as educators? 
what are our assets? What are our strengths? And build from there. And I really think it's critical that we are sending the message to, to our school communities, to our entire communities, that uh, this has been an enormous challenge, but as a community, we're strong and uh, we're moving forward. We're accelerating forward as a community. That's the key part, that we are strong as a community. And we we have to be very careful of our messaging, I think. And I, I do think we've all been through a lot and, and, and we all, all humans are fragile. But I think as school communities moving forward, we can be very strong. I, so I, that's kind of the way I, I, uh, I look at the question, I guess. I love that. I love seeing strengths in a community, and that's something that I believe the pandemic has brought out. Community partners have come out to support schools in ways that that we've never seen before. So whether we're looking at partnerships among um, local theater groups or the YMCA's or churches, all of those stakeholders in a community have come forward to support students' learning, and and these students are intimately connected to their communities. And so, bringing that that strength and that partnership into the classroom, into the schools, um, has proven to have really fantastic gains early on. And so thinking about those partnerships moving forward, the fact that it brought uh, such a traumatic event um, to bring everybody together in this coherent way, moving forward, we can just see that this is the way that we will be working together. Um, and I think that uh, student resiliency is, is only going to increase and really going to drive learning forward when more partners are involved. That's great. So what resources has the department created to help facilitate that in terms of the work that you've headed up, Lisa, in, in, in your office and, and Mackie as a division? What, if, what, what is the department doing? What can people tap into educators in the field who, who are listening to this podcast? I do think, you know, revisiting and looking at uh, first of all, pausing for a second uh, as much as we can and looking at that learning acceleration guide uh, because there are some core principles in there that I think are really important uh, in terms of how we move forward. Lisa started by saying we have to be careful of that. Let, let's take all this information and content and just dump it. That, that's not learning. So we started with what is learning. That's not learning. I think everybody knows that, right? But yet there's this tendency of rushing because maybe something is missed. So we want to start, when we look at that learning acceleration guide, there's, there's a few principles in there. And one of the things that it, it points out that I think is important is that it does talk about don't try to rush through, you know, and be concerned about pace, but be focused on depth. Learning takes place through developmental relationships, but through those developmental relationships, we're engaging students to go deep and be engaged and focused and not just at surface level learning. And, and that's those are that's an important principle, but also making sure that we are integrating social emotional learning into every single interaction. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's great that we have uh, Mindfulness Mondays, for example, but it's really, it's every single interaction and lesson experiences of the kids where they are reflecting themselves and developing positive relationships and using strategies and planning and other types of com competencies within the SEL mindset. Uh, this is all very, very important to, to moving forward. 
that's in that guide. I think you know one one really uh, new learning for me is just the ways in which so the guide was written last May, and after the release, the ways in which districts have taken it and really integrated it into their own system, into their own communities, and gone way beyond what's in the text. And so, you know, as we connect with schools and we learn more and more about what districts are, are doing and the ways they're meeting students' needs that are so unique to their own ecosystems, you know, that's the learning that we have internally, you know, at the department. We are just thrilled with every example that comes forward and the ways in which they've taken the guide and just brought it to life in new ways. And so it's much more dynamic than this, uh, you know, than 50 pages of text. It's really a living, breathing document that we learn from the field every day. Yes, such an insightful statement just made by Lisa. Really great stuff because in one school, they really may have realized, well, we, we don't have the high quality curriculum materials that our kids need. Uh, coming out of this and then another school they may have seen again focusing on the whole child and the whole bi-directional relationship uh, of the kids and the teachers and the experiences they may realize our kids really need an after-school program uh, where they're excited to be here and we can work on maybe some of their executive functioning skills in there in a fun way so uh, learning is is uh, nuanced and complex, and I think what Lisa just said is, is so spot on and accurate. In the interview you just heard, my colleague Lisa shared about the amazing ecosystems districts are building to support accelerated learning. In this next interview, you'll hear from colleagues in the Little Falls School District about how they have been enhancing and continuing to improve their ecosystem through the use of data and ongoing assessment of students. I highly encourage you to reach out to Little Falls if any of the ideas that you hear today resonate with you. Enjoy the interview. Okay, hello, I am Tracy Marinelli. I am the superintendent of schools in Little Falls that is located in uh, Passaic County. Hi, good morning. I'm Nicole Dilks. I am the principal of school number three in Little Falls and also the curriculum coordinator for the district in Passaic County. So excited to talk with both of you today. I'm so thankful for the relationship that the department has with Little Falls as one of our uh, amazing lighthouse districts. And I'm so excited for folks to hear about what you have to say related to elementary school and accelerating learning for students. It's going to be great. So when you're thinking about accelerated learning, data informative assessment play a big role. And that's something that we have all talked about a lot as I've done work with your, with your district. Can you discuss how you approach discussions about data informative assessment and how you make them fun and exciting in elementary school because data is amazing and can do so much, but <laughs> it can be a little bit stale sometimes when we approach conversations about it. So how do you make it something that's fun and exciting for both staff and students? Tracy? So we think data is always fun and exciting. Yes. That's, that is <laughs> definitely a mantra here in Little Falls. And one of the ways that we do that is by making sure that the students have a voice, that the students have a seat at the table, and that the students always have their hands on the data. Um, so it's not administrators and teachers have the data 
and then they're telling the students what they need to learn and how they're going to learn it. We make sure that the students have access to the standards, have access to their data and comparative data, and then they tell us what it is they need to work on, what they're doing well with, um, and what they still have to learn. And a really important culminating piece of that has been our student-led conferences. So as early as kindergarten and, and right on up till eighth grade, our students run their own conferences uh, with their parents and with their teachers. And they go through and talk about what it is that they're doing well, where they need some assistance, what they still have to learn and how they've done that. And they do that while tracking their data. They have data folders uh, that they keep in close contact to themselves. And so there's some personal motivated uh, competitions where they try to beat themselves at things and accelerate their learning. There's class-wide competitions and some school-wide competitions. So that's uh, certainly how we keep it fresh and exciting with the students. Nicole? Yeah, and um, they, their ownership, it motivates them to go mm -hmm. further. So they goal set for themselves. They goal set with their class. And so it, it teaches them a little bit about, you know, what they're interested in, what they're good at, what they could set goals for, and then therefore further their learning even more um, and be able to, you know, become independent learners and learn a lot about themselves as learners and, and talk about their learning in that way. And I think for the teachers, really utilizing our skip teams has been so successful because it gives the teachers a voice. And then in turn, they are working with each other instead of always bringing in outside professional development providers. We've done quite a bit of uh, presentations on formative assessments where teachers are looking at their peers and their friends' best practices. Um, and we do the learning walks where they get inside each other's classrooms. And so we can really spread those, those best practices um, across the district. That's great. I love how you leverage something that's existing, something that's required with the school improvement panels or the skips, and you really take that and run with it in ways that help accelerate learning through data. And, and the student-centered approach, really looking at students' assets and strengths and helping them build on that is great too. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So when it comes to learning acceleration and its importance, it can really be daunting for educators to tap into the resiliency and the strengths of their students to accelerate learning. So how do you create attainable learning acceleration wins for everyone? How do you get help, help them kind of get those wins in, in an environment that, that can feel daunting, that can feel really, really weighty and really big? Nicole? So I think that understanding where the kids are and their needs is super important. And that changes every day. It changes rapidly, especially in the middle of a pandemic with students who are experiencing a range of emotions every day. So I think the first and foremost piece is the relationship that the teachers have with the students, mm -hmm. knowing your, your, your students inside and out, having those relationships are super important so that you can see those little changes and those little nuances in their behavior and their learning. 
But on the flip side of that, the other side, we've done a lot of work curating teacher teams that work really well together and, and where each person on the team brings something different to the table and have brought PD in for all of the, the different teams that we have, um, especially our inclusion pairs. So that's that's kind of the thing there the teachers need to have a lot of plans in place like you said it's mm -hmm. heavy work it's daunting work but the support having the supportive teams and putting those teams together well and really establishing those strong relationships with the students with the families but also the teachers um, on the team really helps to kind of leverage all of that work and then leveling the 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 needs of the students becomes a little bit easier because mm -hmm. it's all hands on deck and we we support that that culture tracy we talk a lot about working smarter not harder and a lot of the pd early on <clears throat> with this data um shift that we saw in our district was really educating teachers on what to do with the data it's that that's always a, a big piece too. So now you have the data in your hands, what's next? So, um, you know, learning how to develop those different plans um, is, is definitely a big piece of, of the, you know, the bottom layer that needed to be constructed. To go back to the original question, a lot of it is with formative assessments, right? So we had a really mind shift to not everything is a, a Friday assessment, not everything is a summative assessment. It's doing those quick formative assessments so that you can have data at your fingertips all the time and really look for those changes and look for um, where, where students need to grow, where they're glowing, what changes need to be made to the instruction, what is a change that may be um, unique to one or two students in the class or maybe a shift that needs to be made for whole class. We do a lot of plotting and data to see, is it a district level issue and we need to change platforms, change curriculum pieces, change strategies? Is it building specific? Is it classroom specific? So really working through all of those uh, formative assessment pieces and having more shorter types of, of data that you can act immediately. That's been mm -hmm. the biggest piece, not something that needs to be scored three days after it was taken. And then you put that into place five days later, now you lost two weeks. So it's, I can do a formative assessment during my first 40 minutes in class and act on it in the afternoon section. That's, that, that assessment piece is so big and I think just as important is the curriculum piece, right? So how do you work with staff to build units and lessons that help accelerate learning in the foundational concepts that students need to access grade level standards? So how, how do you approach that? through curriculum and unit planning. Any thoughts on this, Nicole? So like we've been talking about, we do everything with data. Every decision <laughs> is made you know, with the data behind us. So we start and we end with data. Mm -hmm. We have no time to lose and we wanna make sure that we're assessing as quickly as possible and in multiple ways so that we know the whole story mm -hmm. of what, what the child needs. Um, we use formative assessment, we use exit slips, we use Linkit. Um, Linkit helps us to uh, assess and also warehouse our data. So we make instructional choices and intervention plans based on what the data is telling us, uh, which we keep an eye on every day, every week, you know, throughout the year, throughout the months, because we don't want to waste a single minute teaching something that the kids don't need or, or teaching it in a way that they may have misunderstood. So, um, 
it tells us where they're struggling and then we modify our units and lessons accordingly. And like Tracy was saying before, we work very well in teams on many different levels to make changes to the curriculum if we need to make changes to any programming. Tracy? It also helps too uh, when we use this data and have these conversations um, to make district-wide decisions. So for example, a couple of years ago, we noticed that based on the, the formative and summative assessments, there was a significant issue with reading level from students district-wide going from grades two to three. So we decided to build into our curriculum, having every staff member K through four trained in the Orton program. We brought in a reading specialist. So we really take the data from student level and branch it all the way up and out through the, the district level, making decisions from right within each individual classroom to the school and then to the district. Time is key, building in that PLC time, uh, grade level time and content area time into the schedules to make sure that these um, deep rooted curriculum and data driven conversations can happen with an administrator uh, present most of the time this is this has been a, an awesome discussion. I'm so excited to share it with folks. Is there anything that you just want to share with the educators out there who are listening that we didn't get to related to accelerated learning or related to anything else? All right, let's start this with Tracy. I just I we always say it here. Data is your friend, you know, we don't it could be very scary. Sometimes uh, folks are, or afraid of what the data is going to show or, or don't really understand how to tackle it or think it doesn't have a place, especially in primary grades, but it could be so useful and it could be so fun. And really once you engage with it and, and master how to utilize it, it, it really can help you grow in leaps and bounds. Nicole? It doesn't always have to be the hard data from mm -hmm. benchmarks and and state assessments and you know sometimes when when i sit into in an inrs meeting i say you know give me the facts give yeah. me the data and the teachers are able to tell me all of the numbers but they're also able to tell me you know he's been absent a lot mm -hmm. or he's been sick a lot or mom is struggling at home or you know those are all data pieces too and putting all of those pieces together, it's like a puzzle that tells you the story of the child. Once you know the story of the child, you can fix it. You know, this is what we're trained to do. So once you know the facts, um, you you can then make decisions, better decisions yeah. from, from there. And, and don't underestimate the data of how many smiles you count when you walk down the hallway. Mm -hmm. That's an important data piece too. Thanks for listening. I'd like to also thank all of my guests, as well as Elizabeth Thomas, for transcribing this episode to make it accessible for all. We look forward to continuing to connect and engage with you about educating the 1.4 million students around the state and hope to talk to you on the hashtag NJEdPartners third Tuesday Twitter chat. You can subscribe to the podcast channel for DOE Digest through your iPhone and the Apple Podcast app or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that you can get new episodes when they are released. Also, please leave us a review through the Apple Podcasts app on your iPhone. It is the best way to help new listeners find us. Neither the New Jersey Department of Education nor its officers, employees, or agents specifically endorse, recommend, or favor views expressed by those interviewed. 
Discussion of resources are not endorsements. Thanks so much for listening.